0: you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with curiosity daily from discovery time flies when you're learning super cool stuff i'm nate
1: and i'm callie if you're dropping in for the first time welcome to curiosity where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind if you're a loyal listener welcome back
0: today you'll learn about a super exciting space program blasting off in a few months that will take us back to the moon for the first time in 50 years how the simple snap of your fingers actually involves some cool physics And the chemistry behind the skunky stank of cannabis.
1: Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Nate, after nearly 50 years since humans last left the moon, we are finally headed back.
0: Wait, wait, wait. 50 years? Didn't Wallace and Gromit go in 1989?
1: I mean the real moon, not the cheese moon. Live humans versus claymation, and we are getting started right now. NASA is in the middle of testing for Artemis 1, the first in a new series of missions to the moon. It will travel further than any spacecraft ever designed for humans.
0: I love the name. In Greek mythology, Apollo is the god of the sun. His twin sister, Artemis, is the god of the moon. It's a great symmetry.
1: Right? And just like Apollo astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, soon Artemis astronauts will be stomping around on the moon.
0: When you think about how the Apollo missions gave us compact cordless tools, wireless headsets, and the technology behind CAT scans, I can't wait to see what Artemis brings us. Now, I hate to ask this, But are we just repeating the Apollo
1: program? No way. This program is hugely important to the future of humanity and exploring other worlds. If we can perfect our systems to get up there, we can start looking deeper into space. And we have our eyes on Mars.
0: Incredible. So how soon can I watch some lunar volleyball?
1: Well, since this is the first Artemis launch, we're using it to test our deep space exploration systems. So at first, no astronauts. NASA needs to make sure everything, like the new Orion spacecraft that will carry the astronauts, works safely.
0: Orion? Like from the constellation in the night sky? You know, he first appeared in the Iliad, an ancient Greek poem.
1: (laughs) Someone really paid attention in mythology class. But yes, it'll also be a great test of the new space launch system, the most powerful rocket in the world. It weighs 5.75 million pounds and stands over 300 feet tall. 5.75
0: million pounds is about 191 fully loaded school buses, and 300 feet is about the same height as the Statue of Liberty.
1: And it's headed to space. That's because it has 8.8 million pounds of thrust, nearly 1.5 million more than the Saturn V rocket from the Apollo missions.
0: So what will Artemis One do? Head up to space and skywrite NASA rules?
1: Not quite. This 26-day mission will take the Orion capsule out past the moon, 280,000 miles from Earth, and then back.
0: Okay, you said it's happening right now. I want to watch.
1: On March 18th, NASA moved Artemis 1 from the Vehicle Assembly Building to the launch pad at the Kennedy Space Center.
0: Oh, four miles closer to the moon. Let's get going.
1: (laughs) This is just a test called the wet dress rehearsal that will be happening in early April. They'll practice fueling the rocket, doing a countdown, and draining the tanks. They try to make it as close to the launch as possible.
0: Without the actual... (sighs) So when do we get the lift off?
1: If all goes well, early June of this year.
0: And then we land on the moon, check out some craters, and do cool experiments?
1: The moon landing is a bit in the future. Here's the long-term plan. In 2024, Artemis II 2 will take astronauts out past the moon and then back home. After that, NASA is hoping that Artemis III will leave Earth shortly after 2025. And it's this launch, Artemis 3, that will land on the moon.
0: And if I remember right, that's the one that Elon Musk and SpaceX are helping with.
1: Right. They're helping build the lunar surface landing spacecraft.
0: Well, if it's not till 2025, I still have a chance to get on board.
1: Nate, sorry, I don't think so. NASA announced the first group of Artemis astronauts in 2020.
0: Oh, that's okay. I'm still over the moon about this entire program. (sighs)
1: Solid pun, Nate. (laughs) And actually, me too. Now, I know you're bummed about not being able to go, but if you search online for Send Your Name with Artemis, you'll find the NASA form to get your name put on a flash drive that goes into space aboard Artemis 1.
0: Well, that's fun. I always told my family they'd see my name in lights, but space is even better.
1: Oh, it's way better.
0: Callie, I challenge you to a snap-off.
1: Nate, you know I can't snap.
0: I know. That's what makes it such a good contest for me. I'm guaranteed to win. Show off. (laughs) Here's a question. Do you think Thanos' snap was loud?
1: Thanos, like, from the Avengers? Was his snap loud? Nate, what in the pale blue dot are you talking about?
0: I'm asking you the same question that inspired researchers from Georgia Tech's School of Chemical and Biomedical Engineering. They wanted to look into exactly how finger snaps work.
1: Why? Just for fun? How useful can the breakdown of a finger snap be?
0: Very useful, most notably in the field of prosthetics. One day the finger snap could be the gold standard for testing the dexterity of prosthetics. It uses all the parts of the hand, it's complex, it's fast, and there's a clear indicator of success, that sweet snap sound.
1: Got it. So in the movie, Thanos snaps his fingers while he's wearing the Infinity Gauntlet, and it ended half of all the life in the universe. So yeah, it must have been loud.
0: Remember, I'm not talking about what happened after, just looking at the snap itself. Would it make a satisfying crack, or more of a metallic thunk, a scraping sound?
1: I'm gonna guess it was like a pretty loud pop sound, but what's the answer?
0: That's what those fine physicists at Georgia Tech wanted to figure out. To do that, they set up a series of experiments to examine the physics of a basic finger snap. Now, we all know snapping your fingers only takes an instant. It's faster than the blink of an eye. So how do you even study something so fast?
1: Lasers. What? I I don't know. I just, whenever I don't know the answer to something, I just say lasers. Uh, Well, sadly, not
0: this time. Good try, though. In this case, the answer is super slow-mo. That's right. They recorded a series of snaps from different people using a high-speed camera. That made these instantaneous events much easier to analyze, and they also placed reflective dots on their fingers for additional accuracy.
1: And what did they find?
0: When a person snaps their fingers, the hand mimics a kind of machine physicists call a LAMSA system.
1: Sounds like a Mediterranean dish. LAMSA on pita, side of falafel? Now I'm hungry.
0: Stay with me, Callie. LAMSA stands for Latch-Mediated Spring-Actuated System. Basically, it's a system that results in a spring-loaded kapow! When you snap, first you load the middle finger up against the thumb and press the two fingers against each other. That creates an energy buildup. Then, you release. That sound comes from your middle finger hitting the base of your hand or ring finger. And did you know your snapping finger accelerates almost three times faster than a professional pitcher's arm?
1: That is wild. We've all got fingers that can play professional baseball. Well, everyone except me. So what else did they find?
0: They took what they knew about LAMSA machines and applied it to the footage. What's going on there is the result of two main factors, friction and compression. Friction to keep the middle finger and thumb pressed against each other, as the compression builds energy that will then be released to create the snap.
1: Ah, I see. So I would imagine then that the perfect snap is about finding that balance between friction and compression.
0: That's what they thought too, and so the experiment went on. This time, they adjusted those variables. They reduced friction with a lubricant. They used a metallic thimble to take out the compressibility of the skin. Then they used rubber on the fingers to increase friction. Every change led to the same result. Less snap. Thuds and duds only.
1: Thuds and duds only? What is that? Support group meeting for all my exes?
0: (laughs) Wow. Full-on roasted them. Good work.
1: Okay, okay. So what about the Thanos snap?
0: Right. What do you think it sounded like? Lasers. Callie, that one barely made sense.
1: Okay, okay, the snap. Uh, let's see. He had on a metal glove, so zero compressibility. Barely any friction with that slick metal surface. I'm gonna say it was a letdown. Maybe like a squeak sort of noise.
0: Well, creatively and narratively, it definitely wasn't a letdown. But yeah, if the Thanos snap happened in the real world, the sound it would make would definitely be a bummer. All right, Callie, final round of the snapping contest. You get to go first.
1: I am inevitable. Oh, no.
0: And I am Iron Man.
1: (laughs) Nate, you know that one guy in high school whose car always smelled kind of funny? Like, he was in the parking lot having some, let's say, smoky fun in there?
0: Uh, it wasn't me, if that's what you're implying.
1: I am not, though now I am suspicious. Well, I'm talking about that kind of funk and where it comes from.
0: I think we all know where that kind of funk comes from.
1: No, Nate, I mean, like, scientifically. Why does cannabis have that funky smell? That skunky funk? We've all been walking down the street and caught a clear whiff of it. It's such a distinct smell, but what is producing it? From previous research, people had a general idea, but the folks at Abstracts Tech who traffic in aromatic chemical compounds wanted to know exactly what causes that distinct ganja smell, and if it's associated with any health benefits. So they put together a study to get to the bottom of it.
0: Oh, sure, they put together a study. I've got a couple friends who put together a study like that all the time.
1: No, I'm serious. They published their findings. They filed for patents. This is real science here. So what did they do? They brought in four trained smellers.
0: Wait, trained smellers?
1: Yes. Folks trained on exactly this sort of thing. They use them to rate the different smells of the cannabis flower, the extract, and individual compounds.
0: Okay, that's an odd job up there with snake milker or dentist. <laughs> but Callie, where do the smells come from?
1: Smells in general? Well, plants, like cannabis, need to defend against predators and attract pollinators, so they develop these things called metabolites, some of which come from their own natural aromas. The goal of the study was to break down the aromatics of these metabolites to figure out which ones were producing which aromas.
0: How do you even start that process?
1: You build your own spectrometry system, of course.
0: Oh, duh. Yeah, why didn't I think of that? (laughs)
1: The team at Abstracts, located in Tustin, California, set the goal of measuring and analyzing strong-smelling metabolites in cannabis flowers and concentrated cannabis extract. They focused on two types of chemical compounds, terpenes and VSCs. Terpenes are a well-known source of aromas in plants. That's what lavender and pine get their iconic smells from. Cannabis has loads of them. And then there are VSCs.
0: Ooh, uh, various-scented candles,
1: Nah, no. The answer we're looking for here is volatile sulfur compounds. The scientists set their sights on VSCs because, well, that's what strong-smelling cannabis plants kind of smell like, right? Sulfur and eggs.
0: And farts.
1: Yes, Nate, farts. To nobody's surprise, skunk spray has a whole mess of VSCs and other volatile organic compounds. There's one specific one, VSC-3 that smells like cannabis on its own from a distance. So it just made sense to look in that zone. And they were not disappointed, though they were in for a surprise.
0: Really? This segment is a gift that just keeps on giving.
1: Oh yeah. In the end, the aroma-producing compounds were about half terpenes and half VSCs, which is to be expected. And VSC-3 is a big contributor to the specific marijuana scent. They also found VSC-4, 5, 6, and 7 in their analysis. But VSC 6 and 7, those had never been found in plants before this. Totally new territory. And these VSC compounds were similar in structure to those found in garlic, another plant famous for its stench.
0: Very interesting. I wouldn't have made that connection on my own, but now that you mention it, I can smell it in my mind's nose.
1: Well, the garlic connection shows that there may be future health benefit discoveries on the horizon. The VSCs in garlic are tied to garlic's potential heart health and anti-cancer benefits. So maybe that's the same for the VSCs in cannabis. That'll be an avenue to travel down next.
0: Health benefits. Hey, that's good for Petey Glugs.
1: Who is Petey Glugs?
0: Oh, he's the guy from my high school with the funky smelling car. Sounds like he'll be the healthiest dude at the reunion.
1: I kind of doubt it, but maybe he'll be down to join the next study.
0: Oh, if I know old Glugsy, he is definitely going to be down. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Artemis 1, the first in a series of missions aimed at getting NASA back to the moon, is headed toward the launch pad. If this mission goes well, we could see astronauts on the moon shortly after 2025.
1: Finger snaps are impressive feats of physics, but how exactly do they work? Researchers at Georgia Tech use a high-speed camera to determine that a balanced amount of compression and friction are key to the perfect snap. And understanding the mechanics of it all could really help the development of prosthetics and benefit those who need them.
0: Researchers figured out exactly what gives cannabis its funky smell. Terpenes and volatile sulfur compounds are the culprits. They found two new VSCs, and their research might lead to a better understanding of the health benefits of that sticky icky.
1: Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery.
0: You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.
1: Our Discovery executive producer is Christina Bavetta. Our Discovery coordinating producer is Krishna San Nicolas.
0: This show is hosted by us, Callie and Nate.
1: Our head writer and senior producer is Joey Scavuzzo. Additional writing comes from James Lynch and Matt Mayer. Our researcher is Rachel Wilde.
0: Sound design, audio engineering, and editing by Nick Carissimi. I'm Callie. And I'm Nate. We'll see you next week.